What's going on, everybody? This is Sean of Ross Like Music. And this is the Super Sunny Show. I'm La Molly. This is Blue and Green Radio. Hello and welcome along to this month's edition of the Music for Modern Living Radio Show right here on Blue and Green Radio. You're locked in with me, Nigel Gentry. Party people, this is Mr. V of Confessions of a Curly Mind broadcasting through Blue and Green Radio. You're listening to Steve Williams at UK5.org. Welcome to the Blue and Green Sessions. Ride the vibe with DJ Ronnie Ron. Twisted Souls. You're listening to the Blue and Green podcast, and I hope you enjoy what we are going to say. Blueandgreenradio.com. Welcome, friends. You're tuned in to another episode of the Blue in Green podcast. My name's Imran. Thanks for your time and your company, as always. Quick reminder. Before we jump into the bones of this episode, a uh, quick reminder that the Blue in Green podcast runs in conjunction with the Blue in Green radio. Uh, we, uh, you can find us at www.blueingreenradio.com. We would uh, love for you to check us out. We're an online internet radio station, London-based, but um, as is evident from today's episode, we host shows from across the whole world, which is really, really exciting. We uh, are inc- massively proud of our content, and uh, we're sure... If you'll check us out, uh, you'll be you'll you'll quite enjoy it too. That's the hope. Uh, today's episode finds us connect with um, a blue and green radio stalwart, uh, Mr. V, aka Varhe, uh, from Melbourne, Australia. Uh, been with the station for such a long time now, which is just incredibly exciting when you think about all the incredible magic that he's he's kind of bestowed upon us. Um, the creator, host, and presenter of the revered Confessions of a Curly Mind series, which uh, basically incredibly deep, deep, deep dives uh, into an artist's catalogue, celebrating their B-sides, collaborations, remixes, uh, bootlegs, and live recordings. Uh, Very, very few album tracks are included on an episode of Confessions of a Curly Mind, and uh, (laughs) uh, if, if, if if it's known for anything other than those wonderful points then it was also known for it for their length and um <laughs> i think we kind of average around five hours five, between five and six hours for a show but uh that has um, been exceeded uh several times uh, most recently by um uh, the episode uh, that Varhe uh, put together for uh, Rasan Patterson. So it was really cool to uh, kind of talk all things Rasan with Varhe, talk about his fandom, his early uh, formative uh, years in terms of having discovered his music. Um, we kind of talk about so much stuff. Uh, it was really, I had such a cool uh, time with him, uh, with Varhe. We've recorded a few episodes last year as well, and um, yeah, super excited about this one. We. Um, we discuss many things. We discuss um, confessions. We discuss uh, Rasan Patterson. We also discuss uh, Vahe's um, adoration for puffy dogs, which <laughs> is a new thing for me. Uh, but I'll let Vahe describe what uh, that what that entails. One of the other things that we discuss uh, is the kind of a tricky conversation of um, well, it's something I've kind of done everything to avoid talking about um because i kind of always want these podcasts to be about putting out you know positivity and good things and nice uh, good vibes etc and uh, i was always uh, mindful of this conversation because i never knew how to have it and uh, we do kind of get into uh, r kelly abar has recently been uh, watching the surviving r kelly uh, docu-series and um uh, it's yeah. I mean, it's. I haven't seen it, and I've you know, I, I haven't wanted to see it. But um, uh, we I, there's a very early podcast episode that we put together. Um, it was me uh, and two buddies of mine, Dan and Tej. Uh, we kind of discussed uh, separating uh, the artist from the art that they make. And beforehand, we knew R. Kelly would come up in the conversation, but we did everything not to delve into the uh, intricacies of uh, court cases and. Um, accusations uh levied against him and things like that so we didn't really want to have that conversation uh but today we 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 do have that conversation and but uh it's it is it's really a conversation about two people who in this episode both confess to citing r kelly as their first kind of musical obsession for lack of a better term 
considering what music is to Vahe and I, Obsession's probably fairly apt. But he was, for each of us, he was the first person that we just, wow, mind blown at the music that he was putting out in those glorious 90s years. Um, so it's really about two people who, are, who were significant fans rationalizing what they were a fan of that's that's really where that com- this conversation is rooted in so it's certainly not to cause any offense in any capacity and i'm probably really overthinking this because that's what i do better than anything else <laughs> overthink and overanalyze but uh, i think it's a cool conversation um yeah i i I enjoy Vahe's company incredibly and I think this is a great episode Uh, one of the other things that we uh, discuss um, uh, on the episode is you know Vahe's numerous projects uh, including the uh, Dark Southern that we'll delve into in the conversation but also his upcoming 80s series uh, where he's deep diving into 80s funk and soul um, kind of projects that uh, may have passed you by and you may not be familiar with uh, so he's about to launch a new series of that which we can find on SoundCloud and uh, one of the p- names that he had put up on Facebook as uh, something he was exploring uh, is a group called Starguard and um, he's absolutely right they're amazing and um, it's uh, going to be what the song that I open with for the episode today regular listeners of the podcast know we are two songs featured our guest picks the closing number, but I get the luxury of picking the opening one. And that's what I'm going to pick. And we're going to go with Starguard um, uh, in uh, kind of uh, in reference to his, his upcoming 80s projects. This is Starguard with Wear It Out. And I uh, very much hope you enjoy it. If you like your 80s uh, glossy, funk and soul, bliss as, uh, as much as I do, then um, oh, this is a winner. So uh, thanks to Vahe for his time. We're hoping to connect again very, very soon. Uh, for another episode which hopefully will be out in the month after this one Um, and um, yeah that would be awesome so thanks very much uh, to him thanks very much for you guys for tuning in uh, and I hope you uh, very much hope that you enjoy the show
speaking of which, it's like one in the morning for you now, right? Hell yeah, one oh nine. Oh my gosh! And it's are you yeah. working tomorrow or today? I'm I'm working every day, man. Oh gosh, Broheim. I'm working. <laughs> I'm working, and I'm working it every day. Right now, though, this is like after after midnight for me. This is my. This is just hanging in a banging. That's all I'm doing. Yeah. At this time of the night, just hanging in a banging. So how? Sure yeah, because we. we... <laughs> <laughs> but I'm hanging in a banging. Okay. <laughs> how long do you stay? Because we we spoke uh, about this last time as well. I think we're both quite. You might be a, a later hour than. No. Yeah. Well, how? Yeah. How long do you hang and bang each night? <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, no, the night owl thing, yeah, that's still, I don't know, that's probably going to be a thing for maybe my whole life, I think. It's, mm. I just find something really, first of all, it's peaceful. Everyone's just gone the fuck to sleep. So it's kind of like, <laughs> it's 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 your world, literally. So That's a nice whatever, way of looking at it, I like that. Yeah, and I'm a nester, so I've nested in a house, and then it's my world after midnight. I'm like, hmm. What do I want to do? So I just kind of wander around like I'm the god and I'm wandering around Eden that I've created. But Eden is really like my fridge and it's stocked full of like puffy, these things called puffy dogs, which I've been obsessed right. with lately. Um, they're little Frankfurt sausages wrapped in pastry and you just like free the freeze dried. Then you put them in the oven and they're just fantastic, man. So okay. I just like to uh, officially state that this episode is now sponsored by Puffy Dogs, <laughs> by Continental. As opposed Continental? to, mm. as opposed to um, what was it? Uh, condensed milk last time, wasn't it? Yeah, last time was condensed <laughs> milk and D'Angelo, and then there was one previous to that too. I forget what the product was though. I forget as well. Yeah, I should have. Mm. Uh, yeah, are you going to sing the theme for this one as well? Or? <laughs> I actually did, dude. <laughs> I actually, when I was, here's the thing with me and Puffy Dogs. So I, when I, when I really like a snack, uh, I kind of go overboard with it. I just, I get heaps of it and I just eat the shit out of it every single day for like a month straight until I just go, okay, that's probably enough for the rest of my life. So then I'll just put it away for like the rest of the year and I won't touch it. So when I'm in the throes of that obsession, uh, I'm usually up at around 1am cooking the stuff and while I'm waiting I'm kind of shuffling around in the kitchen and I'm freestyling a song based on the snack that I'm eating <laughs> so I think uh, I'm str- I'm trying to remember what I did but it was something along the lines of like um Jesus what was it like some kind of 1950s Motown kind of uh song called Puffy Dogs but uh, yeah I can't remember now but it was some kind of freestyle tune which is just Path of the course, really, with me, but yeah, puffy dogs, man. You ever wow. tried them? I don't think I've ever. Well, I've never heard of them. I guess we don't have them here. Are, are you, are you, they sound like. Uh, are you familiar with the? I don't know if it's a UK term, but uh, pigs in blankets. That I was just gonna say that because someone at work said that to me because they're from the UK. Right. I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what it, what it is. Just like a meat right. version. But that's not like a brand name. That's sort of what it's called in terms of the, the thing yeah. that you described the sausages with the pastry it's not like a brand name so um yeah so you probably couldn't do a song about that. <laughs> oh you'd but, be surprised uh, no i i, I <laughs> but i don't think puffy dogs as a brand is over here <laughs> no it's, i don't, I don't i'm not sure so. if it's i think it might be local it's been around since the 60s apparently and it's like a wow long okay. time family brand kind of thing it might be an australian thing i don't know puffy dogs yeah oh that's what it might have yeah. been a western western theme <laughs> puffy dogs <laughs> yeah puffy dogs i'm gonna get them puffy dogs you know what i mean <laughs> like that's it could work that way actually <laughs> when you said old soul sound mm. i i envisaged you riffing off of hound dog a little bit <laughs> It's not yeah, really a yeah. Motown at all, but yeah, no, but then you, you create your on own, the right of track, course. yeah, Puffy Town or something, Puffy right. Dog Town. That's yeah. Anyway, <laughs> we've probably gone <laughs> off and on. We we just kept, we we earned our check today. From yeah, Puffy I was going to say we've we've really doubled down on the sponsorship thing. I think <laughs> if anyone from Puffy Dogs is listening, we uh, we do accept checks, but bank transfer would be preferable. Bearer bonds <laughs> or gold bullion. 
they would definitely send you crates of this stuff though wouldn't they like well they, they better because i'm meeting i'm meeting the entire yeah I... <laughs> <laughs> they can pay me with puffy dogs so i'd be happy with that yeah. mm. but i tell you what i'm this turning thing... into a puffy dog from eating so many oh, <laughs> yeah i saw i was actually um mm. i i saw on your facebook page earlier i um I bumped into, I totally missed this before, but you're, well, it's only been there a couple of days, but um, you had live, you, you've performed live recently with the, with the Dark Southern. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. The live, um, yeah, we did a gig. Yeah, uh, about a That's, week ago. Is that your first gig? Yes. Is that your um, first time performing live as well? Not my first time performing live. I've performed with uh, a couple of bands and a few live performances here and there ages ago just like as a backing vocalist um but this is the first time i've ever just gone up front and just fronted like a group that i'm part of um with songs that i'd written or like three we'd, we performed three tracks it was like a 15 minute set mm. um and they're all just original tunes i've written as part of the dark southern project so that was kind of cool just to be able to do that um yeah never done that before so. the, the videos looked i don't know it's like i got nervous looking at them because you're very <laughs> exposed in a way it was like kind of like oh my gosh there's nowhere to mm. hide like you are front and center and they can see yeah. everything it's petrifying right like how do you get nervous do you get excited um yeah like i, I was nervous but it was actually a kind of good nervous it wasn't uh it wasn't anxiety it was kind of like i want to kind of do a decent enough job so I actually took it a halfway seriously and was practicing like a couple <laughs> hours beforehand um because we because where we jam it's like two doors down from that bar it's it's at the music studio right. is just on the same street um which is how we knew about the open mic so we usually jam there on a wednesday so i came early and just practiced a little bit and the boys came and practiced their parts a little bit and but we don't really over practice because the whole gist of the band is just to really be loose and kind of freestyle-y. Mm. Um, so, no, nah, it wasn't too nerve-wracking because I guess we, you know, we had we imbibed a little bit beforehand um, various <laughs> ways. So I was kind of pretty chill. <laughs> With puffy dogs, thing. I imagine. <laughs> puffy Yes, we were puffing. <laughs> Got the for half of it right, and we are dogs. <laughs> so maybe that works too. And then I had a, and I had a like a whiskey and coke, which I hadn't had alcohol for a while. That kind of actually loosened me up pretty well. Hmm. Um, but it was fun, man. We'd probably come back and do it again uh, next month, and then hopefully start looking for some other gigs. We're gonna proper start gigging this year, I think, just to get the music. Uh, music out a bit. Yeah, so that's that's new and fun. Voice sounded amazing live as well, dude. Well done, very very cool. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, they cranked the freaking um, reverb on that mic. That whole room is just like reverb heavy. So I think it's kind of hard to sound too shit because the reverb just makes everything sound a bit more <laughs> like deep. Yeah, I'm going to give you credit for an element of skill, though. I think you sounded better than, <laughs> than just technical. I'll take faults. an element. <laughs> I'll, ta- I'll take an element. That I'll accept, man. Thanks, man. <laughs> How Do you guys, look, are you looking to kind of release music or, at all? Like Bandcamp route or anything like that soon. Yeah, that's that's all on the horizon. I'm still because I've got to awesome. sort through about the thousand thousand or so songs we have created. I've got to wow. just sort of partition them and figure out how we're going to roll them out in the first place. So yeah, yeah hopefully this year you see a bit of movement there. And um, our animated series is kind of on the way. We're getting some funding organized for that. Uh, I think I mentioned What's, that. What does that involve? Uh, so I think I, I might have brought it up once. So part of the Dark Southern project is it's multimedia, multifaceted. Yeah. Um, and there's an overall overall narrative to the entire project that gets told in different uh, different avenues. So you got our music, you got songwriting, you got uh, visual mediums, you got, say, comic books. Um, and one of the things I'm doing is an animated series, about 10 episodes that I've written all the episodes for. Um, that tell in a literal way tell bigger parts of the story that we've created and they kind of all tie in so all the different things we release 
no matter what medium they come out in, they all tie into one giant story that gets told just forever. So, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, so we've kind of are working on funding for that to get that made hopefully this year um, as well. So some interesting shit happening, man. God, that you sounds know? amazing. Yeah. That sounds so cool. exciting, man. Yeah, no, yeah. it's something to do. <laughs> I love that you've always got like 10 things on the go. You've always got just, I guess you have to be a night owl because how else would you find the time to do any of this stuff? Yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Yeah, or well, you got to have like be on the spectrum in some fashion, I think. I probably am <laughs> undiagnosed or something. I don't know. And speaking mm-hmm. of your the multitude of projects, I was uh, I was a couple of minutes late in sending you the link for our conversation because mm. I was immersing myself in the music of Star Guard, which probably <laughs> not supposed to say. <laughs> I made it sound a bit yeah. um, Dungeons and Dragonsy, but uh, uh, that's exactly how I say it in my head every time I see really? it. That's, that's exactly how I say it in my head. Uh, yeah, I can't. Yeah, I just I can't put an eighty soul uh, perspective on Star God, but um, Star God. it's uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was immersing myself in the music. I was I was halfway through Wear It Out before I saw the time. I thought, ah, I'm late. Um, and this, I'm obviously referring to uh, your one of your many new projects that you're going to start delving into, uh, which is uh, music of the eighties. You're going to start unleashing uh, uh, from your your catalog of of, of glossy uh 80s mm. uh funk and soul gems in the new series right yeah which um i guess if uh, i don't know if you remember i kind of was into that kind of stuff a while back mm. and i used to do some mixes in that vein here and there just like a, what we termed obscure 80s funk and r&b as a sort of catch-all term mm. and it really was obscure like i just at some point 15 years ago or some shit i just happened upon just this insane stash of this kind of music, which you, some people call boogie music as well, specifically. Right. Um, which is basically like, it's the 80s. It's like more of a mid-80s would probably be the best representation of it because it was at a point where you had organic musicianship mixed with like this burgeoning synth sound and the just a synth-driven funk sound. Mm. Um so it was a really awesome melding of like man machine to me. I thought it was the perfect, perfect representation of man machine sort of harmonizing together and creating something like that's just space funk pretty much to me. Yeah. It's just super funky and all the drums knock. Like that's why I think it appeals to hip hop heads too. Cause that mm. period was just the drums were just fucking banging. Like they were just something completely different about them. And it's just, you know, it comes to represent the whole 80 sound that kind of splashy um, snares and, and the claps, hand claps and stuff. And, oh, man, I just love everything about that sound and that period. So um, I'm bringing a – that's what I was going to say. Thanks, man. You brought it up for me. Um, <laughs> so I was thinking, like, the reason I did that is because, like, first of all, I just went back to the stash. And I'm like, man, there's so much cool shit here. I just have to do something with it. So I decided to do that. And I'm like, what am I going to call this fucking thing? Like, I'm just running out of names. You know, I just have like specific names for specific, specific things. I'm like, I don't know. This one has to be a little different. So the, the only thing I could think of uh, for the broadcast was to call it Midnight in Melbourne. Right. <laughs> I'm going to call it Midnight in Melbourne, which is uh, something we discussed on the last, like, like the Angelo yes, podcast, I think we're talking about. That's right. Yeah, we brought it up on one of our pod, on one of our interviews. So um, I was like, yeah, that, that kind of fits. And I thought I'll have to actually play a character on the on the actual mixes. Like I've got to dip in and out like a proper '80s mix, like a like a oh mega mix gosh. with a with a DJ coming in and out over this, the music every now and then, going, "Hey, this is Mr. V, Midnight in Melbourne, or whatever." You know, just oh. talk here and there, and really like make it sound like it's from the 80s like it's some long lost tape from the 80s like a radio kind of thing like that so it's turned into something completely different than what i thought it would be (laughs) that's so Um, cool yeah some like conceptual shit going on now with it that i'm gonna have to see if i can actually pull off but yeah that no you absolutely can that's so cool how soon do you reckon i'm not too sure i think 
definitely before the end of the month because we've got yeah we should hopefully make a few things out there because we've got your the blue and green stuff as well that's due all this month as well so um i'm trying to really do as much as i can because it's just of because mm. of last year and i'm like man i just dedicated so much time to all that jd stuff i'm like man i really need to just just like vomit out a whole bunch of things um, <laughs> you know just to get back in the, yeah. the the spirit of it and really get energized about all this kind of stuff so i'm just trying to, and i'm trying new, new things here and there just to keep myself interested it's kind of a battle Obviously you're referencing your yeah. your four day jay diller show which um which was <laughs> <went for> four <laughs> days <laughs> yeah, but sure uh, did. gosh yeah what a colossal uh, a, a thing to have to have engaged in man you're a genius yeah and, and stupid because you know it was just like that's all i <laughs> all i had energy for at the end of the day I'm like wow mm. it was that and it was that in the band so that's, that's pretty much all i did last year um but the blue and green stuff yeah that we just did the rasan patterson show which was pretty yeah fun to put together actually um how long have you been a rasan fan oh probably i mean i only heard about him when his first album came out uh 97 um so pretty much since then, yeah. I think a friend of ours uh, had been to the states uh, just that year, and he picked up a few releases from there and handed us some copies. And I think one of them was was, was Rasan's album. Um, yeah, and that's how we found out about him. So I've just been following his career pretty much the whole the whole way through, just because I think mm. he's just got one of those voices, man. Like just insane voice and he's maintained that same sort of quality of voice and and his songs throughout his entire career um so i thought yeah he had to be next because like how many of us have sung to so many of his songs especially from the first album maybe the first two mm-hmm. um i feel like a lot of fans didn't really keep track with all the later releases it kind of feels that yeah. way because he had a whole bunch of albums that came out after, but um, I think people kind of dip in and out. Uh, He's a bit like stuff. Eric Robeson like that, isn't he? Because it's just, you just sort of take for granted mm. that they're always there. Yeah. You know, he's there doing his thing and Hey, yeah. Arrow is the same, man. I need to do a show on him and his voice is insane. Oh, wow. Yeah. He's amazing. I remember with uh, Rasan, I, I think you messaged like a couple of days before you were sending the show over and, I can't remember you had said something like the mix is all done and you were just doing some vocal parts. And I was going to, you said something that I was going to respond to, but uh, the thing I was going to say was I'm not hugely well-versed at all on Rasan Patterson, but the one thing that he had done that I obviously was always besotted with was the Sugar Rush Beat Company. So I typed that in the email. Then I thought, what if you forgot that? And I thought, I'll delete that because I imagined you getting that and saying, no, I forgot to include. And I thought, you just said you finished it. So I thought, I, I'll leave it. And just in case that you <laughs> you say, you've cost me a month and uh, you have to revisit. So, uh, but there was that, that Sugar Rush B Company album. God, that's something special. Yeah, that's still, man, what a good, what a decent one-off really yeah. um and they i mean ras rasan and the producer um that was jamie rogers i believe so he's from melbourne and he's done some production work on some of rasan's prior albums so they connected that way mm. but i don't know how they got in touch with ida core because she's from europe i um, can't remember which country she's danish um, right so I don't know how they connected, but all three of them did. And God damn, man. Like I love the production on this album. It's just so awesome. Like it's just got such a cool amalgam of styles. Like you got kind of, again, a motown kind of feel to some of the tracks, like the, L- the, mm. the love song, the L-O-V-E song. Yeah. Great, um, song. great song, man. Shit. I told, yeah. I told Rasan personally when that, uh, when that song came out, and I was singing it repeatedly uh, in my room, loud as fuck. Um, I, because I'm, because of course I'm Facebook friends with Rasan, you know, 
because that's just me. I'm Facebook friends <laughs> with all these mofos. Um, I, miss, I I posted on his wall once when that song came out in like 2008. I'm like, hey man, this song is so like awesome. I'm basically standing up when I'm singing the chorus, and I'm beating my chest proudly when it comes up to the to the part where it says V. V is filled with good love. <laughs> it's like I stand up and I tap my chest. I'm like V is filled with good love. I'm like, yep, that's me. <laughs> he, he he seemed to he seemed you, to find that funny. Oh, good. He, uh, but that that album though, I, I think it. I don't know. It feels like it's something that came and sort of went and was largely forgotten. But like you talk about that eighties mm. kind of uh, the vibe that you're trying to capture with your new series. I mean, it's it, you know, it's such a contemporary release that was immersed in it, and it, you've got an album like mm. like with songs like Ladies and Gents and Sugar Rush that are really mm. immersed in that. But then you've got songs like uh, L.O.V.E. and Oh Lord that are just yeah. complete opposites. But it's in- incredible how they've managed to do one album that has all yeah. these different styles and they just flow so effortlessly from one to the other. It's a genius album. It's it's like the musical aesthetic itself. There, there is like a connectivity between the songs in terms of just the sounds that are used and the, and the way mm. it's produced. But you're right, like the actual... You could genreify the songs pretty clearly, like you said, Motownish for those two. Oh Lord, take me back and L O V E, and then you got shit like Gunshots and Candy Floss, which is one of my favorite yeah. tracks on that album. And it's just like some manic fucking Prince tune, you know, just like the yeah. Sugar Rush, uh, Sugar Rush title track is as well. Uh, it's yeah, very Princey, you know. Um, which of course, Rasan is a big Prince fan. He's kind of, I'm sure they've crossed paths many times as well actually, Rashan and Prince. Um, they do have a connection, which is Prince wrote a song for Martika. If you remember Martika. Oh, yeah. 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 So she had a song called Love Thy Will Be Done. Um, that was a pretty big hit for her that Prince wrote and that Rasan did background vocals for. So he actually sings on oh, wow, a song okay. that Prince wrote. Yeah, because him and Martika were part of... Um, the TV show Kids Incorporated when they were kids. Right. Uh, so they were kind of okay. child stars, uh, part of this, I think it was a Disney show. Um, I guess this is the background on Rasan. So he was a child star basically <laughs> uh, from like early, early on, like I think it was seven or eight or something like that or nine. I can't remember. Um, but he got to start really early. Uh, they used to call him the kid because um, he was a kid, I guess. And he, <laughs> he, yeah, he's been around for ages, man. Uh, he's been working with like, he's he worked with a whole bunch of artists first behind the scenes uh, when he was coming up and growing up. Uh, he helped launch careers for like Brandy and Tevin Campbell. Um, he wrote Brandy, Brandy's biggest hit, which is uh, Baby. Um, Did he? Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. He wrote that one um, and produced by one of Rasan's longtime production partners, which is uh, the Crouch Brothers, Keith and Kenneth yeah, Crouch, Keith, I believe. Yeah. They did the damn man. Their production work on his his albums are fucking insane. Him and another cat named Jazz, uh, Jamie Jazz, right? Different to Jared Rogers, who also goes by the mm. name Jazz, which is where it gets confusing. There's Jamie <laughs> Jazz Rogers, and then there's uh, Jamie Jazz. Yeah, there's two. There's one that's American and one that's... Aussie, um, the American jazz, American jazz, the American dude, <laughs> he, he did a way more production work with Rasan. So it was mostly like the Crouch brothers and, uh, Jamie jazz that did a lot of the work and his production is mint, man. doesn't matter what project you go to with Rasan being involved, whether it's solo stuff, group stuff, or him featuring on someone else's stuff. It's kind of like the Omar effect. So when I did the Omar show, you know how it was just mostly feature work he'd done for other people that I don't think a lot yeah. of people had heard. Not a lot of album cuts, you know, as per usual. Mm-hmm. And you you tend to see like a pattern where if you're the art, if you're the production or you're the producer, you're the band or whatever, and you're getting a feature by Omar, you have to step your shit up to a specific level that's sufficient to cater to Omar's overall catalog, it's got to be dope. It's got to have a specific like bounce to it or style to it. 
Rasan's work was like that. Doesn't matter where he went to, that Rasan sort of bounce followed, um, which is really cool. Like it's just like this deep funk rooted in a lot of what he does, and everyone sort of carries this Rasan tempo across to their own work when they get him to feature on a track. And that's kind of the indication to me that someone's like highly revered and has like a huge like impact on people around them and stuff, you know, like it's a really good signifier for me to show that this, this mofo is kind of big deal, you know, deserves some praise. Yeah. He, he had only had an album out last year. I think he's on, is he on Shinachi records now? But um, I think it came out last mm. year. I mean, does he still work with the other people as much as he as he used to, or does he just sort of take the time out for his own projects now? Um, in recent years, uh, yeah, he's done still doing a lot of feature work for more for other artists. But yeah, he had an album out last year called Heroes and Gods, which yeah. I think was the first album since maybe the last five or six years, or longer than that, maybe. Oh, wow, that long. Um, yeah it's been a while between this and the last one so it's good that he's still doing his thing he, he performs like almost every single day of the year he's performing somewhere really? like that man is busy Gosh. i actually went into his website to check his schedule i'm like what's the off chance he might be coming to australia anytime soon so i had to look through and you know obviously he's not he's not coming to australia but he's pretty much playing every single day of the year with Gosh. some days off here and there but the man is just in demand all the time. You know, people just want to see him perform because he's just got that bloody voice. And <laughs> he's got what I mentioned on the show, specifically why I love his artistry so much. He He's highly transparent with how he sort of transmits his emotions through the songs. Mm. So he's emotionally um, genuine as you can be. Um, I think that's very relatable. You know, he doesn't put on airs or anything like that. It's just very straight up. Yeah, I really should be delving more into his stuff. I'm, yeah, I've got a, a good, ha- a good, well, a fairly good handful of, of of tunes, and I do have the uh, the Heroes and Gods album. But um, yeah, I think there's it's one of the things I've probably got way more than I realised. If I'd like, I didn't even know he wrote uh, Brandy's tune, which is really interesting. I think I did know the Tevin Campbell one, but I didn't know no, the Brandy one surprised me. So uh, mm. yeah, I should probably sit down with his stuff, and obviously his you know, a revered sort of output with Van Hunt as well uh, that you get, that you delve into, into the show. Yeah. That, so that side of it was people as well. Pretty awesome. Yeah. I love the Van Hunt collabos and I told Van Hunt over the phone when I interviewed him, uh, please get back with Rasan at some point. <laughs> Cause you guys, you guys just work together really well. He's like, he was up for it, but I don't know if they're still sort of in touch and stuff. Uh, well, there wasn't like knows. a fallout or anything, was there? Or I don't think so because they did. A, they actually worked quite a bit together all the way up till like oh seven, oh eight, uh, between like between like ninety nine, almost for a decade, they were sort of associating with each other. Wow. Um, and Rasan, actually, if you've heard Van's second album, yeah, on the Jungle Floor, yeah, yeah, of course, yes, yeah, you have it, yeah. yeah. Um, that was my favorite Van album when it came out. But now it's hard to pick because there's, there's a lot of them. Um, but Rasan actually features on background vocals on one of those tracks. Oh, well, okay. Yeah, so he's he's technically on Van's second album somewhere in the background. Well, if, if he appears on, um, there's two tracks from that second Van Hunt album that are, I adore. Uh, there's Daredevil mm. Baby and uh, the, again, that sort of 80s-esque one, At the End of a Slow Dance. If Rasan is yeah, on either of those yeah. two tunes, then I'm a diehard Rasan fan. Nah. Um, yeah, those are the <laughs> nah, I don't think it was that one. I think it was more of the uh, the first few tracks, like the funkier ones. Um, right. I think Take You Home, maybe that one, or um, Hot Stage tune. Lights. Could One of those tune. ones. Mm. Yeah. Nah, a lot of good tunes on that album, man. Yeah, that I, th- I would always have to de- sort of defer to the first Van Hunt album, though, like in terms of mm. a favorite, I, that first one. It's got dust. That's like the best song in the world ever. I love <laughs> that record. It really is. There's, this very, there's something very pure about that song. I don't think it's... That's a great it's like word, the, yeah. It's like the pony of that genre, if you know what I mean. 
you hear every time you hear like pony start to play, you're just like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> Everyone has the same reaction. If you and you play Dust, everyone just like, ding, 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 ding. everyone just like starts bopping around and stuff. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a good feeling that one. Yeah, it is. Pony, that's a good one, man. I I remember being at uh, university when uh, when Pony came out and like that had such a like. <laughs> It was sort of like, uh, like, I think when people were kind of like, so what is the, what's the pony? Is he the pony? He's, no, it's his thing. Or it's her. <laughs> and it, like, there was a lot of that. <laughs> there was a lot of that. Genuine. Sonically. Just like, uh, <laughs> G was a diehard My Little Pony fan. People don't know this. <laughs> it's time people knew the truth. <laughs> Genuine. He even like, he even like submitted like a theme song for the, for the, for the toy commercial. <laughs> That that goes unreleased. It's like my little pony, you know. So like, he like doing the ads for it, but like they had to cover it up. They had to be all hush hush because you know what? Like, they don't want Genuine's yeah. fans. The label doesn't want Genuine's fans to know. But I'm gonna tell it like it is. <laughs> That's what I do. I tells it like it is. All right. He's just a my little pony fan. That's all there is to it. There's all this sexual, and that was, uh, yeah, stuff is just a cover. Okay. Don't yes, believe but, but it's kind of weird that he would want women to come around to his house and sit on his little ponies. Like that's that's a strange it's metaphor. It's <laughs> It's metaphorical. All right. He's just trying no, to No, I like, thought it was lyrical. Tell you, like <laughs> he's trying to tell you like the under the underlay of the carpet that he's laying. There's the underlay. <laughs> and the underlay is where you really want to like analyze the message. And that's that's where he's hiding it. Right? He's hiding right. it in plain sight. In a bubble of sex, you've, you've given me that... like seven different perspectives on that song now. So. <laughs> that was a perspective I, I, I didn't even know existed till just now. So. <laughs> I have no idea how to digest this song anymore. I think I'll because just start with that. <laughs> I tells it like it is. That's good. <laughs> it's going to be my new catchphrase. Every time we talk, I'm going to throw one of those in there. Well, you know, Imran, the uh, state of the global uh, emergency and coronavirus, and uh, well, you know what? <laughs> Fuck it. Life's short, man. Just live it. You know why? Because I tells tell it like why. it is. <laughs> 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 I tells it like it is, Imran. Yeah, genuine. Someone's gonna like Photoshop meld two photos of genuine and a ponies. Oh, you know what? Someone should already have done that. You got to Google it. Genuine, the actual pony. Hold up! <laughs> I don't know what song caused more confusion, like like that one by Genuine or R. Kelly's, like I don't know. Uh, but you remind me of my Jeep. Like that was another nineties <laughs> R and B song where people were like, "What?" Well, at least uh, it was the, the metaphor was clearer, I think, than the Jeep one. Because like the Jeep one can go off tangent. Like you could be like, "You remind me of my Jeep. You're leaking oil." You know what I mean? Like. <laughs> And then you gotta be like, what kind of woman is you singing about that's like leaking oil and maybe needs a tire change? You know what I mean? Ah, oh, man, that's what you reminded me. Of the other thing I was gonna tell you. So while I was having my late night, well, dinner. <laughs> um, yeah, oh, like man, midnight, watching... midnight, literally midnight snack. That was amazing. Yeah, because it's midnight in Melbourne, bitches. That's how we do it. <laughs> midnight, in Melbourne. Coming to SoundCloud soon. Get it. Um, so I've been watching. I've been watching the most horrible thing, man. It's it's called Surviving right. R. Kelly. Yeah. Oh no! I I can't watch. I'm not even gonna like. Oh, oh no! You gotta. You gotta. It really. It just. It's just gonna. Yeah. I can't even. I can't even. His music's still in my playlist when I'm going to and fro, and I got my headphones on. Now I can't bear to listen to any of them, man. I can't. I got to skip oh, really? all the tracks. I think I just got to remove them, man. It's that. It's so fucking bad. I'm like, wow. It's just, yeah. Oh. I can't. I actually can't. In this case, I can't justify just listening to this shit anymore. I really can't. And it's like, oh, my God. Ruined my childhood. Thank you very much, person. It's funny because you've, you know, you've opened up a couple of new things, the mm. things I've, I've sort of often it's crossed my mind to, to sort of discuss with you because I know we we were both you like fairly big R. Kelly fans. Um, fairly, like, like whole, I like, was a really yeah. big, he was like the first for me artist wise that I just, you know, became a, he was, yeah, my first 
musical obsession is probably fair to say back back in the 90s really? and um cuz uh, I think yeah, yeah, he had mine too <laughs> oh really um yeah. yeah no he was definitely yeah i think the first person where i just sort of you start to piece things together and like oh he did that he did that he did that and like by that third r kelly album for me i was like i freaking loved it i just thought it was a just a brilliant 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 album that's um, that's actually my favorite r kelly album uh, yes uh, hands down one. for yeah. me yeah it's perfect pants it's, down? It's really perfect did you say wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute you said pants down <laughs> hands down Come on. i would never i <laughs> You know what? So either lucky. one of them referenced R. Button. Kelly. <laughs> Every, either way, both of them referenced R. Kelly sound kind of oh, iffy. God. But anyway, anyway. You're so lucky I've got the edit button and I've got to remove that whole 30 <laughs> seconds of me saying, no, I didn't. <laughs> hey, man, you, but... you got to tell it like it is. Oh, mm. no. Um, mm. Yeah, but he was he was my first, yeah, absolutely mm. uh, pants down obsession. Uh, no, I definitely yeah. said pants down. That was a joke. Um, but so yeah, but I've always, I've you know, I've always been able to separate. Basically, um, it's it's I've always sort of been able to separate. I haven't listened to R. Kelly since then, but I didn't think it mm. would hinder me. But listening to Aaliyah's first album is something I would never be able to do again. Yeah, that is completely ruined. I've been trying to hold off on actually dealing with that because uh, that that's my childhood. There, like I got obsessed with the pair of them. So as a kid, like, you know, I don't know any of any of this background shit. I don't know their ages. I don't know the gap in their ages. I just knew that yeah. for some reason that they were romantically linked. And as a kid, you know, I was like, geez, 94, 95. So I would have been like 10 uh, when when the first Aaliyah album came out. I'd already heard R. Kelly before that when I was younger, when I was like maybe eight or nine. And then I just, I started to cotton on that there was some kind of romantic link between them, so I kind of romanticized the their relationship, if you can believe this mm. shit. Like I think a lot of people did early on, uh, if you were young enough like me to not really know better. <laughs> so because of that, you know, I held both of them in high regard, and I love their music as well. So man, it's just hard to just because you have to like unwind your brain and you have to like recontextualize your own experience and your own memories and that's the toughest toughest part about the whole separation thing is that you are segmenting your brain in a way to deal with the reality of the the human versus the artist even though you want to say yeah the music has value just because of the music itself and it it still does culturally you know but man is it going to leave a bad taste in your mouth uh Hmm. when you do listen to it and that just has to tell you something at the end of the day perhaps we need to scrutinize a bit more because he's not the only one surely you think he's the only one who's capable of doing that stuff or getting away with it i mean his situation is extreme if you watch the doco oof, dude oh, God. it's extreme to the to the extreme like vanilla ice to the extreme <laughs> you know what I mean? like, it's just so and you feel like obviously if you feel for all the victims as well but we're talking about our personal i guess reaction to it in terms of how do we process this how do we react to it you know like what's your take how how would you go forward in terms of his music now you know i think the, the 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 part as well that i get a bit disturbed about is the sort of the the level of complicity with other people so, like, the amount of people that would have been in his studio and seen things, you know, Dame Dash mm-hmm. had an interview recently, uh, well, um, maybe a year or so ago. They asked him about the documentary, and I was, I was curious to know what he, um, he would have mm-hmm. said. Obviously, he was with Aaliyah uh, uh, before her passing. And he talked yep. about how when R. R. Kelly and Jay-Z were going to do the Best of Both Worlds project, that Dame mm-hmm. didn't want anything to do with it because Mm. of r kelly and it kind of Mm. bugged me so i was like well then but jay-z didn't care that he didn't say that but it's like well he must have known but thought yeah it's money i'm gonna go ahead do you know what i mean and it's it's the amount of people and like missy did a song with with him yeah and one of her last albums like what's that yeah which i love i love (laughs) i love that goddamn (laughs) song it's such an awesome throwback I'm like, yeah, why? Why did she do that? Because her, for her proximity to Aaliyah, it felt like almost disrespectful. Uh, yeah. well, I would never play 
uh, a broadcast a song you know with, yeah well of, of him in this it. is why you haven't you haven't seen an r kelly show from me yet which has been killing me because i'm like i have all this yeah. awesome like b-side-y unreleased kind of like the standard shit i play i've got all that for yeah. ara but i'm like man I, I can't justify doing it what am i going to talk about should i talk at all yeah and why am i am i praising this guy for the you know so yeah. i don't think i'm ever actually going to be able to do one and oh, what you were mentioning about just that that little daisy chain of connections there. So you got R. Kelly, you got Dame Dash, and you got Jay Z. You know Jay Z actually dated Aaliyah, or they were they were together before he ended up with Beyonce. I didn't know that. Oh wow! Yeah, and then then she ended up with Dame Dash. Uh, that world is completely just um, not not a world I'd ever want to actually be in. I'm I'm happier yeah. like being on the fringes out here, just talking about this shit and just you know uh, pontificating about what might be, but. Uh, yeah it's just it seems like there's always been an undercurrent of this kind of shit just always there we just as listeners or viewers if we are indeed viewers as as consumers of it um we're not going to know 100 percent what's going on but i think we we have a rough idea what entertainment bizzo is really all about at the end of the day it's not something that's straightforward and and fair um and ethical or moral uh, in any sense it's it's a it's a bit of a cutthroat environment and people will take try and take advantage of you um they'll get god complexes because suddenly they've got all this money and, and supposed power um you know if if you got a bit of a shitty personality or a very rough past which man i talk about this on the rasan show because while I was researching his background, it, he revealed in an interview not too long ago that he was molested when he was like six. Oh, jeez! And that is like almost every artist I've got, or I don't know every artist I've covered, but so many artists in the game have a similar story. And so many come out with stories now, like Jesus common came out with this exact same story. He's like, yep, I was molested when I was a kid. <laughs> it was like a new book or something he released just last year um it's just incredibly common so they come from these sort of backgrounds right and what the r kelly documentary really touches on is his story isn't anything different so r kelly was abused from pretty early on as well it actually started with a female member of his family that's when the uh he was first sexually abused as a, as a kid as a minor i think by a female i can't remember if it was like a like an um might have been not his sister or something like that. It was like a female member, uh, maybe an auntie or something like that, uh, was molesting him. And then eventually him and his brothers were all being molested by the female and some other dude who was just in the community, like a guy, an older guy. So R. R Kelly as well, again, comes from that really messed up background where he's been just had his innocence taken away from him. But he's gone in this opposite direction, psychologically speaking. So you got like people like Missy, who has also endured that same hardship, coming out and being, you know, ostensibly a very decent human being. Or at least mm. she appears that way. She's got a very good standing in the community, that in the industry. People love her. She seems to be, you know, fairly empathetic. Um, whereas R. Kelly. <laughs> is just the complete opposite end of the spectrum. He's like that story where the abused becomes the abuser to yeah. to deal with whatever they can't deal with as a child. So what the psychologists on the show kind of talk about is he's probably taking out his anger against women because he was abused by one initially as a kid. And and all the girls that he's with come out are coming out and talking about how he's basically just like he's got a child mind. He's got like the mind of a 15 year old, <laughs> um, but in the body of a 50 year old. That's petrifying, yeah. isn't it? It's like that, that um, those Erica Badu, that Erica Badu <laughs> comment, uh, which was incredibly well, mm. uh, not, excuse me, not well, it was incredibly, it was badly mm. timed, wrong time, wrong place. But when she was performing yeah. in Chicago, was it last year? And she said, you know, this guy needs help. We should pray for him. 
And then everyone yeah. took that as her sort of trying to align with him or support him. But she's right. Yeah. But she said, if what if one of his abusers becomes an abuser, are we now going to boo that person? And we're going to turn on them or are we going to acknowledge that these are people that need help? Mm. And I think that was a really completely missed point. It was wrong time, wrong place. But she's she was absolutely yeah. right. I think it's nothing. We it's kind of definitely... want to look at things as one thing or another, but it's black and white. But it's not. It's you know, more complex to think... people. The thing is, it's it's proximity, as one of the parents on the on the doco says, and I fully agree. They're like, yeah, we can sit here and pick apart his, his psychological aspect of it and his background, and really take that into consideration. Even his abusive victims uh, still have sympathy for him because of his rough childhood, like because he used to open up to them about it and really tell them all, everything, uh, and they still have sympathy for him even after the horrendous abuse. And um, I guess uh, what was I going to say? what we were just saying about <laughs> oh, well, the uh, Erica Badu stuff the um like the yeah support, oh yeah to pray and... for him right yeah. so the, the proximity to the situation so if you're actually us talking about it not that close to the situation we just have emotional connections to it based on our childhood just growing up listening to the music um we can we can really sort of play both sides of the argument and really really bring bring that to light like we have but if you're one of these parents whose daughter was a victim, you're not giving a shit about that. You're just wanting sure. uh, either to strangle the guy or just put him in jail. Um, yeah. You want you want punishment. You you want uh, you don't give a shit about his background at that point because he still was a grown man who had control over the situation. But it does come from a place, and you know sometimes abuse spawns abuse. That's why it's. That's why it's it's really pervasive and shitty because it depends on the content of the character of the person being abused. You, you're either going to take that and really magnify it and really fuck shit up for a lot of other people or you're going to try and deal with it in a way that's like a positive step forward so you can actually get over it. Not get over it, but like not weaponize it to hurt yourself and other people. You know, you just got to do the opposite of that. Hmm. So it's tough, yeah. Watch the show, man. It's like it's <laughs> it's insane. It really is insane. Like just all of it, it just sounds like it's made up. I'm like, oh my god. Oh, I don't know. It is on Netflix as well. I remember scrolling a few months ago and seeing it and gasping in horror. Like, no, I'm not gonna. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I can't do it. I can't do it. But uh... you know what was worse though? Scrolling past that and seeing surviving Imran right after that. I'm like. <laughs> Oh uh, my god! Oh, oh my I, I, god! Oh. The <laughs> horrors! The horrors I've subjected podcast guests to—it's unspeakable. <laughs> How dare you, sir? How I dare you? Oh. Uh, actually, I feel like I'm subjecting you to more because I—I I have to. Uh, it's like first, it's two a.m. for you now, or two o one, which is horrific, and um, it's—I'm uh, going to have to sort of uh, head off but it's like a hundred things i haven't spoken to you about so speaking of the horrors i subject podcast guests to do you fancy talking again soon yes <laughs> horrible because we didn't talk about four corners as well that you're the conscience <laughs> yeah. of four corners and we've we've, yeah. we've run out of, of time and i'm desperate to talk to you about uh, how once again you've completely changed any expectation i could have had on on anything that you you would present and uh i just think it's um yeah what you've done for that show is is incredible and it, it works both ways because you, you when you get bring me the idea then i start I have to start thinking about stuff like the, how to present it and that's where the, the new sort of thing comes out so yeah without you sort of being the seed um i can't really do what i do pretty much well that's super cool you, I'm just, um, what I'm trying to say is, you complete me. <laughs> I was thinking of a way to, to tie it back into Pony in some capacity. <laughs> you complete well, look, me, I, Pony. I put the Pony out there and you jumped on it, man. I love it. <laughs> Ye to the fucking haw. That's all I'm going to say about that. And we're going to go get some perfect dogs, perfect dogs. Oh, don't go job, perfect dogs. Yeah. <laughs> this program is sponsored by perfect dogs. 
Yeah. I was gonna we've hit that point where I was gonna ask you for a closing song, but I, I think I could piece together all the jingles that you've presented. No, I'm gonna <laughs> on give on you one, today. trust me. Trust me. I've been Brilliant. trying to think of this for the last hour because I'm gonna give you something wacky. I got so many wacky tunes, I'm gonna give you a wacky one, but I don't know which one it is yet. Is there any chance it's Star God? Star God. <laughs> Actually Star-God. the one I the one I landed on is a little two minute gospel y uh track that's called ass blood <laughs> how, how can you put how can you say gospel ass blood in the same sentence that's yeah like exactly oh you want to hear that one well it's not dirty or anything it's not filthy it's, it's, actually, really, it's actually a really cool song but it's just called ass blood it's about a, a character named Asper. yeah well how could we not end on that now that's oh that's brilliant i'm petrified about what's gonna happen but yeah amateur (laughs) amateur podcasters out there you want to end a show with ass blood this is how you want to end it you want to end up on like top 10 itunes whatever the whatever hashtag ass blood (laughs) you're you're gonna love it i'm serious you're gonna love the tune we did it as a freestyle um i just kind of came up with the structure of it and then me the the boys and an extra guest star vocalist from the shop next door uh named shira she joined us for for it as well so you're gonna love it, it, it yeah, well, it's called this Ask. is a dark southern song it is technically a dark southern tune so but it's a freestyle oh. so it's we have many of these dark southern freestyles where we come up with shit on the spot and then we might turn it into a tune later but it's pretty much a fully structured song on the spot like well, now I'm very excited. I thought this was some yeah. German death metal thing that you unearthed or something. <laughs> but this, <laughs> well, the final version is actually I've changed the name to Ass Blund. So it's actually the character name is A S. No, like it's like Swedish A S P L U N D Ass Blund. But the seed of it is called Ass Blood. You'll be hearing the demo version, which is Ass Blood, not Ass Blund, which is what is be family friendly version later. Yeah. Uh, wonderful i can't wait uh, okay. now i'm genuinely excited to hear it so yes one really you're excited for the ass blood imran <laughs> I'm, I'm i'm desperate for the ass blood right now <laughs> surviving imran do, 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 do. we're gonna use that quote for surviving imran so imran says he loves ass blood i love ass blood golly gee love it is that is that me? Mm. <laughs> oh, that was a, that wasn't meant to be you. That wasn't meant to be you. <laughs> that was just, it was like what? That was a bad version, purposely bad version of you. That's all. That's what that was. <laughs> I'm thinking three steps ahead. You got to remember. Oh, as Oh, my, my.
fucking ass. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Buffy dogs. <laughs> yeah. Puffer dogs, I'm gonna go and get them puffer dogs.